Well, I'm excited uh, this morning as we kick off this brand new series called When Christians Get It Wrong. And I'm excited for two reasons. Uh, the first reason is because it gives us the opportunity to talk and to dialogue about what it might look like if our faith, if, if the way that we lived out our faith matched the words that we say about what we believe. Um, so I'm very excited about this opportunity to grow and to be stretched and to really talk out um, the things that might hold us back from being uh, fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Uh, but I'm also excited because I'm nervous about how that stretching might feel for us. I'm just going to go ahead and put it out there that um, this series is, is good. I can promise you that. And Bill's promise and my promise is first and foremost to live by John Wesley's general rules and that first rule is to do no harm, okay? So in our preaching and in our teaching over the next six weeks, there might be moments uh, when you get stretched or you feel stretched. I want to encourage you. I really do. I want to encourage you to not simply sit in this space and listen, but to engage in the ongoing dialogue through our Wednesday night when Christians get it wrong, small group. Um, I, I say small group. There were 27 of you last week. Um, there, there's plenty of room in the, in the space, but I really do. I want you to be a part of this dialogue to be a part of stretching not only your understanding, but stretching your faith and taking another step with Christ toward being a fully devoted follower of Him. Now, I want to tell you, um, now that I've told you why I'm excited, I want to tell you why this series is important. I just got back from Denver, um, which was, I was at a conference there in Denver, and that conference was around um, recruitment and leadership development in the United Methodist Church. And over and over again, we heard speakers say that the church, not just the United Methodist Church, but the church is hemorrhaging people. Now, losing people is one word, right? For people to be losing, for us to be losing people as an organization is one thing. For the church to be hemorrhaging, that sounds dire, doesn't it? Well, the truth of the matter is, it is very dire. It, we're in dire straits, friends. As older generations pass on, what we're seeing is that younger generations of people are not coming to be a part of the church. They're not being replaced at nearly the rate. People are not being replaced at nearly the rate that they are either leaving the church or passing on to life with Christ. Listen to these statistics. These are statistics. And if you'd like to see more statistics like these, you can read Gabe Lyon's book, Unchristian. It's a great read, uh, but this is it's a statistically based book. But here are some statistics that our church is facing. 40% of all young adults, that's ages 16 to 29, have turned away from Christianity. Not the church. of 16- to 29-year-olds have turned away from Christianity. Half of this group consider themselves to be atheists. That is, they don't believe in God at all. Or agnostics, people who claim neither faith nor disbelief in God or a higher power. The rest of the group is spiritual, but they aren't interested in Christianity or the church. And when I say not interested in Christianity or the church... What I'm saying is that they're not just sleeping in on Sunday mornings because it's convenient. What I'm saying is that they have consciously rejected, consciously rejected 
I'm going to say that again because you don't look shocked enough. Consciously rejected Christianity. So the Barna Group did some research on the theological issues that turn young people away from Christianity. And part of their focus, after realizing that 40% of young people are turning away from Christianity, part of their, their work was to focus on perceptions of Christians. And here are some of their findings. 91% of those surveyed who were outside of the Christian faith felt that Christians were homophobic. 87% felt Christians were judgmental. 85% felt they were hypocritical. 75% felt that they were too political. And when I say they, what I'm saying is us. 70% felt that Christians were insensitive. The world looks at the church, looks at us and sees us as homophobic, judgmental, hypocritical, hypocritical, political, and insensitive. It's no wonder. It's no wonder why young people are fleeing the church. Their perception of us is terrible. Their perception of us is terrible. And here's the scary thing. Their perception of who we are as Christians is their reality. You know this to be true, right? What you perceive about something is the reality in which you live. And when I think back on the Gospels and I think about the perceptions that people have of Christians today, it sounds like they're calling us Pharisees. Now, you remember the Pharisees, right? Right? You remember the Pharisees. They were religious experts. They're one of the major groups that are working against Jesus uh, during his life and ministry. They were religious experts, experts in the law, experts in holiness, so much so that they would flaunt their righteousness. And they would look down on others for not being as good and holy and righteous and upstanding as they were. You can hear that in the text this morning, can't you? From John, from Luke 15, excuse me. You could hear that in the text, couldn't you? This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. It's kind of stuck up, isn't it? It's okay to laugh. It's true. Thank you. It's there in the text. This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. These Pharisees, they should have been celebrating that Jesus was drawing people who had turned away from organized religion back toward God. But instead, they're repulsed. They're repulsed by Jesus' willingness to associate with sinners. In the ancient world, you would have probably characterized Pharisees as judgmental, hypocritical, homophobic, insensitive, and all too political. And it's this group, it's this group that's in conflict with Jesus. And it's this group that Jesus has words of judgment and words of condemnation for. If you go just one more chapter forward in Luke to Luke 16, 15, Jesus says this to the Pharisees, you are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of others, but God knows your hearts. 
what you people value highly is detestable in God's sight. Jesus is saying these Pharisees that they're hypocrites. They're hypocrites. They're pretenders. And if we aren't careful in how we live out our faith, we can be just as hypocritical as them. That's what the world has seen of Christians. They've seen how hypocritical we can be. So let's take just a moment and look at four areas where we as Christians can be unchristian and act more like Pharisees than followers of Jesus. The first place where we can get it wrong, and you need to just write one, two, three, four, and we're going to go right through these. You can write it in your notes. There's space in there for you. One, two, three, four. The first area where we as Christians get it wrong and act unchristian is when we act with wrong motives. You know, the Pharisees, they were good at knowing and keeping the law. The problem is they did it all for the wrong reasons. Long prayers were a hallmark of being a Pharisee. Have you ever been trapped in a long prayer? I'm talking about that moment. Choir, are you with me? That moment where everybody's standing and they're holding hands and your hands are starting to get sweaty because you've been there for a while. And you're thinking, I don't want to eat after this because i got sweaty hands now. Okay, so you, you've been in one of these long prayers, right? Where the person who's praying has not just prayed for the food and for the fellowship, but they've prayed for the windows and for the doors and for the air conditioning, and they pray for the lights and the sound, and they've prayed for people you know and people you don't know. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with prayer. Prayer is an awesome thing. But after a while, it becomes a show, doesn't it? Like, how many long words can I say in a prayer? How many times can I say, Father God, in a prayer? If I just say it enough, it makes it more holy. I'm going to show off a little bit with this prayer. Pharisees would do this, y'all, to show off just how holy they were, to show off how educated in they, in that they were in communicating with God. The other thing that Pharisees would do is, is they would, when they walked in the temple to give their tithe, you know what they would do? They'd blow loud trumpets. Blow trumpets as they come in to give their tithe. And the other thing that they would do is they would make sure that the money as it went into the box made lots of noise. Lots of noise. So you knew that they were, they were really giving, really giving. You ever been sitting in a pew when the offering plate comes around? I say this to you because I've been on a pew when this has happened. And the person who's just written that check tears it out really loudly. And they don't just drop it in the plate. They give you one of these. Boom, over the top. <laughs> like they're dunking it into the offering basket. Like, hey, look at me. Boom, there it is. There it is. I just gave my tithe. I just gave my offering. Did you see it? Did you? I'll wave it. Hold, let, give me the plate back. There it is. Right back. Like instant replay. So you can see just how I do it. Just how I give. The other thing that Pharisees would do is they would make sure, make sure that everyone knew that they were fasting. 
Uh, this is one of the things Jesus talks about. He says, make sure that you conceal it whenever you fast. Because the Pharisees had this practice and, and the, the pagan groups in, in the ancient world would do the same thing where they would sort of make sure that everybody knew just how terribly they were suffering during their fast. So they knew just how holy you were. These people were using God and religion for affirmation, for power. Their desire wasn't to get closer to God, but to gain attention and to gain accolades for doing what they were doing, for being in the temple, for praying long prayers. Why do you go to church? Is it because you love God and you want to grow in your relationship with Him? Or is it because church is a good place for you to be for your reputation? Do you ever show off your faith so you can get praise from others or gain a little social standing? It happens in churches all the time. Oh, I go there so people can see me. You and I, we have to guard ourselves from wrong motives. We have to constantly be in the habit of asking ourselves, am I using God? Am I using God? Or is God using me? Am I here because I'm getting something out of this? Or am I here to give God my everything? Is that why I'm here? Is that why I'm doing what I'm doing? The first way we act on Christian is when we use wrong motives for the way we live out our faith. The second place that we get it wrong is in pointing out others' sin without seeing our own. Pointing out others' sin without seeing our own sin. You know, when, you, when you're using your faith to advance your social standing like the Pharisees would, um, or for your own power, or for your own reputation, it's easy. It's not just easy. It's important to point out the fact that other people are flawed and broken while ignoring your own sin. If you're using your faith in that way to, to advance and to get social standing, and this is exactly what the Pharisees do. Jesus, though, he calls them and he says, listen, you're calling out other people's sin, and those sins are just a speck in their eye. Get the log out of your own eye before trying to call out someone else's Sin. I, I need to tell you about um, a person who was in the Wesley Foundation here um, when I was at Georgia Southern. And some of you have probably heard this before. This is a story that I, I like to share. Uh, about my junior year at Georgia Southern, um, this, this one girl, she came into our small group and she said, Listen, guys, um, I figured out what my spiritual gift is. And we're like, Oh, that's awesome. What's your spiritual gift? And she says, Speaking the truth. And we all sort of went, Ooh. Because she was kind of angry. And she was right. Her spiritual gift was speaking the truth. And she would speak so much truth that it would beat people down and wound them and hurt them and turn them away from being a part of the fellowship and the community of Christ that was in the Wesley Foundation. She spoke the truth, but she had no love. Jesus is all for us speaking the truth, but speak the truth in love. She had something to say about everybody else, but never would look in the mirror at her own shortcomings, at her own life. At how her truth-telling, her brutal honesty, was wounding others. Do you point out other people's sins? while ignoring 
or excusing your own? This is what Pharisees do. They look down on other people and tell them that they're not as good as they are because of whatever it is that they have going on in their life. When we point out the sin of others without seeing our own, we're being hypocrites. We're being Pharisees. The third place where we act unchristian and we end up looking more like a Pharisee than a Christ follower is when we major in the minors. I told you that I was at a large United Methodist conference and I am a United Methodist through and through. I I grew up in a United Methodist church. My parents grew up in that church. Their parents grew up in that church. I'm a fourth generation United Methodist. I love this church. But sometimes we get preoccupied on things that don't matter, on issues that are utterly meaningless. And we're more concerned with being right than with being loving. It's like we've forgotten Jesus' assurance that the world will know us not by our stance on baptism or the words that we use or don't use in the Lord's Supper or Apostles' Creed or our style of worship or our denomination. It's like we've forgotten that it's the love that we share with one another and with the world that marks us as Christians. That's the defining mark of the body of Christ. It's love. When we major in the minors, when we get so focused on these inconsequential issues... We actually put people out of the church. People see us fighting one another, wounding one another, and they say, I don't want to be a part of that. I get that every day. I don't have to go to church to get that. I can feel that way in my office or at my house. When we major in the minors, We act more like Pharisees than Christ followers. The fourth area where we act unchristian is by being two-faced, by being hypocrites. That word uh, is a Greek word and it has to do with acting. Uh, The hypocrites were the ones who acted on stage. A hypocrite is one who pretends to be someone else. And we all know someone or we've all been someone at one time or another who has appeared to be one thing but was really something else. You've met people like that. They were putting on a show to appeal to others to gain popularity or power or position. So they act one way when they're with one group of people, maybe at church on Sunday mornings, and then they turn around and the following afternoon they're living a completely different life. As a teenager, I saw this in my youth group. There were people who would come in and pray long prayers on Sunday mornings. And then they'd get to school on Monday morning and live like they'd never darken the doors of a church. They'd show up in their Sunday best, put on a nice show, and then go back home and live like they never heard the gospel before. That's living like a hypocrite. When we acknowledge the beauty and the depth of the gospel, but we never let that good news penetrate the depths of our soul. That's living as a hypocrite. Showing up week after week and hearing message after message and never letting the love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, all of these good things of God, experiencing them but never letting them touch our hearts and lives. When we do that, we live as hypocrites. 
We act one way when we're here and like someone else when we're away. We've got to ask ourselves. I've got to ask myself sometimes. Am I only concerned about looking like a Christ follower? Or am I really sold out to being a follower of Jesus Christ? If you want to know the truth, we're all recovering Pharisees. If you're here in this room, you at one point in your life have done all four of these things. The problem is we can't keep this show up for long. Because the longer we do, the longer we try and keep up this facade of being better than we are, holier than we truly are, we find ourselves becoming more and more empty. And the place where we end up is a place of deep loneliness, of deep fear, and of deep pain. It's a dry place because everything you end up doing is for show. It's just a front. We all have moments. It's true. When we're compelled by the wrong motives, when we point out the sins that others have in their life without looking at our own sin, we have moments when we all major in the minors and moments, yes, when we're two-faced. But we have to recognize that that is not God's best for us. That's not God's best for us Because the world sees it and the world sees through it. And the world doesn't want another institution, doesn't want another group of people that's fake. So how can we change the perception of who we are as Christians? How can we get it right? I think that begins by taking a hard look at the life and ministry of Jesus. He's our example We have to be about what Jesus was about. We have to mimic his life, imitate his life. So what I want to invite you to do is to reach out in front of you and grab your pew Bible. It's red. It looks just like the hymnal, but a little bit smaller. It's a red pew Bible. Or open up your um, iPhone or iPad or Android device to your Bible app. Open it up to Matthew 22. Matthew 22, verses 36 to 40. Choir, you're invited to do the same thing. Um, wanna, wanna ask you guys to open up your, your Bibles to Matthew chapter 22, verses 36 to 40. 22, Matthew 22, 36 to 40. While you're getting there, I'm gonna give you some background on this text. Um, here in Matthew 22, Jesus is being confronted by the Pharisees. <laughs> He's had this run-in with the Pharisees, and they're trying to trap him. They're trying to trip him up. And so they send a Pharisee out to talk to Jesus and to ask him a very specific question. And this is the question, verse 36, Matthew 22. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Not how good you look compared to others. Not how righteous you think you are. The whole law, the prophets, the word of God is centered on, is rooted in doing two things. Loving God with all that you have. Loving God passionately and completely and loving others with that same fire and passion. Loving God and loving people. 
That's what we should be about. How do you think people would perceive us? How do you think people would see us if we really did those two things? If we loved God with all we had and we loved the people who are around us every day, how do you think people would perceive us if we lived and we loved like Jesus, not just sometimes, but all the time? If we did that, I believe the church would change the world. Our church would change the world. We get it right when we love God and when we love others. When we give, when we work for justice, when we work for peace, when we work for unity, when we throw the doors open and say, you're all welcome here instead of slamming them shut and saying only people who are like us can come in. The church would change the world if we could only get it right. And truly love God with all that we are and all that we have. And love people in the very same way. My prayer for you this week and my challenge to you this week is that you would go home and that you take a hard look at your life and a hard look at your faith. And ask yourself, in what areas... Are you being a Pharisee? What areas am I being a Pharisee? In what areas of my life am I not living up to the high calling that we have in Christ to love God and to love others? Let us pray. Lord, we confess this morning that we we don't get it right all the time. And there have been times when we have been unchristian when terrible things have been done in your name that separate and isolate instead of gather others in. Lord God, help us to align the words that we say and the words that we sing and the words that we pray with the rest of our life. Let us be followers of you and not Pharisees. Let us fall in love with you that we might love the world around us and that the whole world might come to know and to love you. So we pray in the name of Christ, our Savior and our Lord. Amen.